0: Hey podcast listeners, Michael June here and before we get started today I want to ask you a quick question. Are you happy with where you are in your GovCon journey right now? It's a simple question to yes or no. If you're not happy with where you are in your GovCon journey right now I want you to reach out to me on LinkedIn or email or carrier pigeon or whatever you need to do I want you to reach out to me today and let's set up a call there's no cost there's no hook there's no anything That's just me you let's hop on a call let's talk about where you are right now in your GovCon journey and let's get you some tips and tricks on how you can move forward. Because if you're unhappy with things, I want to help you. So reach out to me on LinkedIn, shoot me a message there. You can shoot me uh, an email, whatever you need to do. Reach out to me and let's talk about where you are in your GovCon journey and how to move forward. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Michael June here with Game Changers for Government Contractors, and I have Norman Wolf here on the line with us today here. He's going to be talking about a fantastic topic. Norman, instead of me telling everybody, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do, and then we'll get into our topic
1: for today. Thanks, Michael. I am the CEO and founder of Quantum Leaders. Quantum Leaders is a consulting company that focuses primarily on helping organizations execute. So my whole life has been oriented around helping organizations leading organizations myself and then since 1988 i've been consulting with organizations a long time and the the one thing i've discovered is how difficult it is for people to set some goals set set objectives set some initiatives to help improve their companies and get those actually executed Mm. and I have, over the years, recognized that there are certain, you might call them systemic or mindset issues that cause us to have difficulty in executing uh, in what we say we want to accomplish. That led me to write my book, The Living Organization. So my biggest accomplishment is the fact that I actually wrote a book. <laughs> And um, the living organization, I call it a new paradigm in how we understand what organizations are and how they create outcomes.
0: Yeah. And that, that's fantastic that you got the book written. You know, we, we just wrote a book in February. Uh, we're recording this in April of 2020. And our book came out in, uh, in February. We did one the year before. And, you know, it is quite a task. getting a a book out there and you know the the one we did this year was with there's 29 authors in it and people are always like man that has got to be like wrangling cats and I'm like (laughs) it's like it's cats with like big emotions and you know and you know it's not like your every average everyday cat you know there's there's some really amazing people in in our book and and so they're all busy you know everybody's super busy and so uh you know it's it's such a a a a great task to be able to complete writing a book. I always, I've always heard it's one of the main goals that everybody has, whether you're a janitor, whether you work on wall street, whether you, you know, a school teacher, doesn't matter. People, you know, writing a book is a dream for a lot of people. So I, I congratulate you on being able to do it because okay. it is a, it's a massive accomplishment.
1: Yeah, it was, it was actually a, six-year journey, I started writing it. Well, I had the idea to write it in 2005. I started writing it in 2006, and it was published in 2011. So it was a, it was a journey. <laughs> yeah.
0: it And I, I really, personally, I have a lot of respect for people who take that long to like go through research and do the writing and all that stuff. Cause I have zero patience. I'm like, <laughs> how can we do this in a month? That is, yeah, right. that is always my thing. And so like when we did ours, I gave myself about nine months and I'm like, this is going to be excruciating. Like I can't even... <laughs> Cause like, I don't want to do any research. I just want to pull all of them out of head and just go. And so it's one of those things, but you know, you're talking about experiences back into the eighties and stuff. And I'm sure there's some, you know, well beyond that, but you know, to me, when I talk, or talk about or hearing about organizational issues, you think about leadership and culture and all those things and to me, those are all, I think, very overlooked areas of most companies because most people are like, hey, sales, marketing, you know, numbers, 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 and you know, where are we hitting at with the revenue and these different things, and yet the things you're talking about here in this living organization, they all all those things drive the numbers, they all drive the productivity of the company, you know, the success of the company, uh, right. and And yet there's so little time that's invested in that.
1: And it's kind of sad. And you're right. The whole orientation for leadership and the framework in which we think of leadership, I call the machine paradigm. Mm -hmm. The reason I call it machine paradigm is because we treat organizations as if they are machines of production. And if you think about what that means is that somebody designs the machine, how it's going to operate. That's what machines don't design themselves, right? Right, So, so, And leadership's role has been to design the machine. It's it's even taught in your basic MBA courses. Leadership or management is all about plan, organize, lead, and control. That's it. Well, what that means is it leaves everything else about the machine, especially the people, is nothing but parts of a machine, hmm. right? And and here we are, we talk about how we want to get people really engaged and committed to the mission and the purpose and all of that stuff. And then we go about treating it like a machine. So right. there's sort of a real inconsistency between those two desires and ways of thinking. Yeah. It's sort of like if I went home and treated my wife like she was a member of my organization, I probably wouldn't last long in the relationship. Right.
0: Right. Right. Uh, I'm sure there's case studies on that
1: where where people try that. Yeah. So so the whole the whole thing I tried to do was rethink how can we approach, how can we think about an organization in a way that really brings out, almost in a natural sense, the attributes that we would like to see our organizations engaged. Agile, creative, innovative, responsive, resilient—especially today, right? Resilience is probably the biggest thing right. everybody would love to see their organizations. Um, but machines aren't resilient, you know. If if the machine is asked to do something other than what it's designed to do, it is tough. Right. To, you know, think about production lines—you got to shut them down and retool them. So the question I had is, what what can I look at to create a different way to look at an organization? And I came up with the human being. I mean, there is if you think of the of human beings as a organization, we are an organization of three hundred trillion employees. There are no silos. <laughs> my right. heart doesn't go, Hey, the hell with you long. I'm gonna do my thing and you do your thing and we'll let the we'll let the brain figure out who gets what resources. It doesn't work that way, right? Right. And and so I think thought, wow, what if we thought about organizations like living beings and leaders more like um, individuals whose responsibility was to nurture and cultivate uh, the development and the capacity of this human being? Mm. That's the essence of the book. It shifts Mm. fundamentally everything. Yeah,
0: and it, yeah, yeah, it, you know, just even taking a a step back and looking at organizations as the people, you know, they they are people, and you know, you mentioned about how you know when when you're when you're trying to make changes, and you know, you have to stop the production line and those sort of things. You know, I think there's there's so many times where leaders have built it into people. Where their focus is, I hate to use the the old phrase, but they, they have this in the box thinking where This is what I've been taught. But I've also been taught that if I step outside this line, I'm going to get smacked. Right. And so I don't want to have too much creativity because I'll get smacked. I I remember a job I had where I got called into a manager's office. I'd been there like two weeks, and he's he's like, "What's your problem?" I'm like, "What do you what what do you mean? What's my problem?" He was like, "Why are you doing X, Y, and Z?" I'm like, "Why am I going above and beyond?" Because I <laughs> I, I thought that was a good. He was like, "Are you after my job?" You know, and and I start getting like this lecture on like you better dial it back, and you better this, and you better that, you better get in line, and I'm like, I better look for another job. This place is horrible. You know, I'm I'm going above and beyond and I'm being yelled at for 30 minutes about it? Like, I don't understand, you know? You know,
1: Michael, I had had almost an exact same experience. I had actually two of them, three of them in my very first job out of college, and it was, um, first one was, I, I was coming into work, and somebody, not me, but somebody else was having an issue in their personal life, and I remember my supervisor said to him, listen when you come to work you leave your personal life at the door right and i thought to myself how do you do that what part of me do i unzip and leave at the door and then zip? how do you do that so yeah I, so that was the first thing the second thing is a group of us were sitting around um at lunchtime having a wonderful conversation about how much we really enjoyed our jobs and how much fun it was and again us the same supervisor said to me or said to all of us if work was meant to be fun you pay the company to come here this isn't yeah. fun this is work yeah and it's third one i remember the very first time i wrote a, a a significant memo report the supervisor came back to me and says you've got too many adjectives in here <laughs> you should, you need to dial it back almost the same phrase you use. yeah dial, you it dial it back and just be you know like a machine just just the facts ma'am yeah. i thought, boy yeah. well i didn't last in that job very long either yeah. but you know, that's not it's not really that atypical it's not just your unique experience or yeah. mine it's really Really the way we think about organizations.
0: Yeah. And and I, I haven't been a good employee for, for twenty years, so I don't <laughs> I don't do that. You know, it's just one of those things where you get in and you see that stuff and you know, not not to have, you know, just story after story of bad experience, but there there was one company I worked with and everything was about you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And I'm like, You guys should rename the company this because I swear <laughs> And it's not only am I doing it wrong, there's nine people at any given moment telling me I'm doing it wrong. It's kind of like right. out of office space where everybody's showing up going, hey, I hear you have a problem with your TPS reports. Yeah. I, 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 we've solved this. Let's move on. But right. everybody has to come in and tell me this because, again, it's, it's understanding that you're working with people and all of the complex issues that people deal with. Because I, I, just, I see too often where, and I don't think we're getting off track here, but I I just I see too often where organizations look at their team and and have the exact mentality that you said earlier of you check your problems at the door, you you check in with us and your business from nine to five or whatever we want you to do, and then you can go deal with your problems later. And it's like those problems are often impacting their brain and their ability to perform. Absolutely. And so, you know, why not take Fifteen or twenty minutes, a half hour. I, I've been known to take employees and say, "Hey, look, we're going to go to a long lunch today, and we're going to we're going to talk about what's going on. We'll spend yep. you know two hours talking about this because guess what? You may be the only person in their life that they can talk to because they can't talk to their spouse because their their spouse is probably the problem, right? Yeah, you know, that's right. going on <laughs> a lot, or their kids or whatever, and they need an outlet for that little bit. And they come back to work, and they're not only more focused, they have a, a, you know a weight or some strategies to. Deal with their problem. Somebody's just listened to them, which is a big thing, Absolutely. and they know how much you care. And and Absolutely. every time somebody knows how much you care, it changes their level of production. And, and for me, it's not a strategy to get people more productive. I genuinely just care. But it it is a great strategy to show people that you care because you're gonna get different things out of them. And so I, I don't. We could go down this rabbit hole all day long. But one of the things I want to I want to talk more about some of the stuff that's in your book. I'd like you to tell us a little bit about your living organization model and those two core principles that you talk about in the book?
1: Yeah, so it's actually not getting that far off track, Michael, because the first track is thinking of the organization as a living being. And you have to think about it from a leader's perspective, like I'm in relationship with this living being, and I have to care about them, mm-hmm. just what you were saying. And it can't be I care about you from a manipulative point of view because they'll know that, right? Yeah, you, can you can't it. pretend. You can't pretend to care. So you really yeah. have to move for what I call moving from the head to the heart. You you really have to lead from the heart. You have to care, and and you have to also understand that that actually does produce better results. Mm-hmm. That when you as you were pointing out, it's not just that you get people more productive. It, it opens the gateway to creativity, to innovation, to resilience, to engagement, all the things we want. So the first step is to understand that the organization isn't even just a collection of people, uh, which a lot of people think, you know, trying to make that leap mm-hmm. into something different. But the organization itself is a living being, and 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 that has certain implications, uh, which I'll explain in a second. The The second part of the model is that it was was designed to answer the question, how do living beings, how do people create outcomes? And what I discovered is there are three energy fields, I call them, because quite frankly, everything is energy. So creating an outcome has to be, by definition, a transformation of energy. So what is the energy we're playing with? Well, the first one and the most obvious one is what we do and how we do it. I mean, to create an outcome, you're going to do something, you're going to write a report, you're going to code a program, or you're going to uh, cut a piece of wood to build a table um you're, you're going to do some activity and you're going to do it in conjunction with other people so that that brings to the second energy field and and that is relationships we cannot not be in relationship we mm-hmm. we you know you we do we do this little exercise about having people walk around the room and if you imagine and they're smiling and connecting with people not not saying anything but just acknowledging as they walk past people and and then we ask them to walk around the room and not acknowledge anybody not be in relationship with anybody else in the room so you know they start hunkering in and they look down and they avoid eye contact and all of that and then we ask them to not be in relationship with anybody or anything and all of a sudden the room stops (laughs) you can't move i how do you not be in relationship, right? And, and so, the second field of energy that we we work with is is the field of uh, relationship energy. <clears throat> and the important thing there is to recognize what it means to to be in relationship that increases the amount of energy we have uh, collectively to contribute to it. And and we call that that high performing teams, teams in the zone. Um, but what what that really means is we have the energy of two or more people so in line that they're amplifying each other. Mm-hmm. We're getting synergy. Two plus two equals twenty five. Right? right? It's right. just a whole different world. And most people uh, have experienced that somewhere in their life, so they know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, and you know it's it's so obvious when you have relationship issues in an organization. And I I was on the phone with somebody the other day, and they said, you know, I've got this one person on the team who's a diva, and you know nobody. Nobody, nobody likes her nobody yep. likes working with her yep. she's she's demanding she um she but she is one of our top performers if not the right. top performer in the organization and i like, but what is she doing to your company right and i like, everyone cannot stand it and everyone cannot stand the way you let that person do that and so right. you you have one high performing person because you have proven to your team that all you care about is the number you don't care about the people right you know we, we have had had this really candid conversation you know I always tell people if you knew how much growing your business depended on you becoming a better person you probably wouldn't be in business (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know because you know it's one of those things where the better you get the better your business gets and you know the better leader you become and all those things and and people just don't see that
1: I have to jump in on that because I can't tell you how many times over the years in consulting I've been brought in by the CEO or some leader of an organization and and they say, listen, here's here's what I want you to work on. I want you to go fix them. Yeah. This guy isn't cooperating with that guy, or they yeah. don't get it. And, and and I want you to help me fix them. And the first thing I end up doing is saying, Okay, great. Love to do that. You know you're gonna to have to be fixed yourself, so to right. speak. Right, right. If you want if you really want to make a difference. So you're right. I mean yeah. it's it's just and again it gets back to the notion that uh I am the programmer of the machine and they need to start performing like I tell them to. Yeah. And and, and, it, and yeah. it's endemic. It, yeah. it really is. Yeah. All, um,
0: all my Australian friends have a saying that says the the fish stinks from the head down. That's and, right. And so, <laughs> and you know, when I look at an organization and they're like, Oh, the people suck. You know, they don't have any heart. They don't this, they don't that. And they're just complaining, complaining, complaining. I'm like, we got problems at the top. Yeah. We got, we got to address some problems at the top. So, like i don't know who because i because it's really easy to say you know you you fire a lot of people right you, oh yeah yeah firing a lot of people can't find good people blah, 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 all this stuff like you know there's only one consistent factor here do you know what it is oh yeah there's no there's no good people in the market Nope, that's not it <laughs> yeah. you know and we just have to keep going like are you saying it's me yeah are you saying i'm the only consistent factor and it's like uh. well you fired everyone else 10 times over there's there's only one person left and that's you so you know it's some point we have to acknowledge that as the leader or a leader in a department even yeah. of the reason you have these issues with your team starts with you becoming a better leader and, and understanding this stuff so that you can relate. See, I can, I can go down the rabbit hole and this talk about it all day long. Well, you know, you actually bring so up
1: what I consider the, the third energy field and, the, and it's the context. And, and in many ways, what you're talking about is what is the context that the mm. leader is creating? Mm what is the tone if you will what is the sense of who we are and what what's important so in your example where the leader was focusing on um that one diva performer that one top performer what he was communicating to the people as you pointed out uh, he probably used other words like boy all of you are really important i believe in the team etc etc but what he was really communicating was it's all about the numbers and this person gets the numbers and i don't care how bad they are and how crappy She's making the whole team perform. It, I just care about numbers, so just get me numbers. Right. So it's that it's that sense of beingness. It, you know, I, we often use the phrase: "It's not what you do; it's who you are being while you're doing what you're right, doing right. that really matters." And so that third field. And you know, you said at the beginning: we we often don't pay attention to leadership and culture. Well, context is where culture comes from. It's it's the core assumptions mm-hmm. and beliefs we have about how the world works right and And and, until you change that you can't change anything else
0: and and don't you think though that a lot of leaders believe that their words are the context like so i Mm. i'm saying that i care about you i'm saying that customer service and our delivery and all that is more important than i'm saying all those things but then they're doing you know their their actions don't line up yeah
1: the 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 energy they transmit when they're saying those words is completely different we talk a lot about authenticity and leadership mm-hmm, these days mm-hmm. and people don't understand that authenticity really means that who you are being and what you are doing and saying are in alignment that's right. what it means to be authentic right. you know what you see is what you get and you're right most most leaders come up with these you know call it spin doctor kind of phrases yeah, yeah, they yeah, put yeah. right they're trying to spin a story but we, we do an exercise in one of our workshops that we call don't go now the reason we call it don't go is because you only use two words and this exercise, is the two words, don't go. And we have them go around a circle and say to the person on the left don't go but as we go around the circle we change the the um what we call the the emotion we want them to express and so we'll go from you know they'll say don't go and they're kind of neutral and then we'll say okay now now be angry and they'll go around saying don't go don't go don't you know and and, and then we have yeah. them switch to be sensuous or be <laughs> caring or yeah. be bad and and all of a sudden we recognize very quickly that As you said, it's not the words you use. Mm. It's the state of being you're in that is what people experience. It's like the difference between lyrics of a song and the music of the song. Yeah, yeah, without the music and we always remember the music more than we do the lyrics yeah
0: yeah. we, we used to do this one exercise where and this was one of those where I'd be like I need two strong people here <laughs> mentally tough <laughs> to do this where we'd send them out of the room and we'd say okay so person A I want everybody in the room to think good oh, yeah. thoughts about person B I want you to think the meanest and you bring them back in and person A is like hey how's it going you know and person B is like why does everyone hate me and, and, and they're not even even saying anything because the other example of that I've always given yep. is because people are like oh you know emotions don't necessarily transfer in, in thought and oh, whatever I'm like has your spouse ever
1: walked in a room mad like
0: live it didn't say anything and you knew it
1: right right I use a similar example I go you ever talk to your spouse or, or just anybody and you mm-hmm. go and you're feeling something's off and you go so what's wrong what's the matter and they go nothing everything's fine and every inch of fiber of your body is going yeah
0: that's not right
1: that's not right (laughs) yeah Yeah, and and it gets to the point i was making see it's all about energy and and human beings pick up and respond to the energy more than the word that's why i say the lyrics versus the music
0: yeah and i I think a lot of people don't realize you can actually do that over the phone as well so oh yeah and and even like i have clients all the time that are saying hey i'm making calls and nobody will pick up and i'm like well what what are you focused right because if you're focused on gosh please don't don't pick up, please don't pick up. You really? know, and, and then they get on the phone and all, and I'm like, what are you talking about, or what are you thinking of thinking about now? What are you saying? What are you thinking about while you're talking to them? And I'm like, I want to get off the phone. I want to get off the phone. I want to get off the phone. And I and I'm like, so tell me, tell me again what the issue is. I'm like, well, people don't answer their phone, and when they get on the phone with me, they want. Oh, yeah, like that's when they click. Like, oh, they always want off the phone with me as quick as possible. Like, because that's what you want. that. I mean, that's the message you're conveying through like. your tone and through your emotions. But even you know, when when you are are in prep for that call. I mean that's that's your that's the desired outcome you want and you're conveying it through your words and, and everything else. And and I think to back to the point of, of some of these leaders, you're important. You know, this is more important than money. And, you know, it's not just about the numbers, but deep down, everybody's sitting there going, shaking their head. Yeah, yeah, we, we hear you. And they go back <laughs> in their office and they're like, we all know that Bob doesn't care about
1: us right. at all. You know, you know? It, it, and it's amazing when I was uh, president of the chief operating officer of a telemarketing company, uh, a distribution company with, we did all the sales inside. I gave all the salespeople a, a little mirror and I said, every time you get on the phone, I want you to see yourself smiling. Mm-hmm. I want you to smile. And they said, why? It's not going to matter. No, they can't see me. Because I, I got a want to smile. Just do it. Just do it for one day. Yeah, one day. Even, yeah. And all of a sudden, everybody said, wow, results were so much better. We got more yeah. closes. You know, it was just.
0: We enjoy our job more. Yeah. You
1: know? it, it, it's amazing how much the energy of our beingness comes across in everything we do, and as you said, that's the least thing we pay attention to. Yeah, yeah, because
0: yes. it's really hard to put a metric on it. You know, like, oh, hey, we're going to spend some time, you know, building up the team. How do I put a metric on that? And it, and that's that's usually where, as business leaders, people go instead of saying, "I can see it. I don't, I don't have to put a number on it. I can see right. how happy they are. I can see how engaged they are. I can see how you know the response after you know a team offsite or whatever it is." Uh, I can see how they've just changed, you know, and and that's the things you need to look for.
1: If you take what we just said and reverse it, so the employees can pick up and sense the energy of the leader and what they really believe and what they are versus what they say. Well, if the leader allows themselves to tune into the energy of their organization, Mm -hmm. they can quote unquote measure it just like the people are measuring the leader. So it's actually a skill we teach on how to tune into the energy we call it the context energy and the relationship energy you can feel it and you can measure it you just can't measure it with counting yeah, you got to yeah. measure it with that's that feeling sense that we all have and you have to learn to trust that but since like you said we all do it i mean you you work with a, a relationship and and they're not and they're feeling angry you know it you don't yeah. have to so the yeah, you know it's miserable pre- yeah. So if you pay attention to what the people are feeling and what they're experiencing, you can actually do something about it. You can tell it's off and you can adjust it. You know, when I was with Hewlett Packard in my early career, um, HP back then was mm-hmm. known for management by wandering around. It was one of the principles, and the whole principle of that was you go around and you sense, you pick up the sense of the environment that you're managing, and it'll t- and, and the theory was you can predict the numerical outcomes of performance based on what you sense by going through the organization and wandering around it. You can pick up the tone. It's just like, um, you know, the salespeople we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, th- that context energy is actually measurable. We just have to use different right. instruments.
0: And, and you have to be trained to do it. You have to be trained you have to, to do be that. To do it, it. It's one of those things that I think, just like driving a car, the first, gosh, I don't know how long it takes before you go from, you know, okay, check in, adjust my seat, my seatbelt, put it in drive check the okay, mirror, it's on the know. wall on yeah the yeah, wheel. <laughs> yeah yeah you you go from that to how did i even get here how did i drive from point a to right, point b because right. it's, it's so natural right. i think the same thing happens here it's just it's just being taught so why as we're starting to, to wrap up here why don't you talk about what are some of those skills that a leader needs in order to help change that context because I, I think a, a lot of people are in a couple of places there there's the people that are doing fine they're doing this well already and yep. they could probably still get some some Good value out of that, but there's people that are in a neutral spot that want to that want to you know change that and be in a, right. in, a, in a you know a high performance team spot. And there's people that are in a negative spot that want to yeah. at least get yeah. to neutral so they can then yeah. get to high performing. So right. what are some of those skills they can use to help change that context and get that high performing team? The
1: the number one skill we teach is um, what we call hot centered wisdom. Uh, we call it that because the ability to trust and tune into to that energy. We're talking about context and relationship energy mm-hmm. comes from leaving the mind and the rational thinking part to that part of us that can feel and sense and know. And, and that's really that part of us that's in the center of our chest for most of us. So we call it that heart-centered wisdom. It's trusting the, the if you think about the whole body as an antenna in a field of energy, right? You're, you're tuning in your awareness into that information the antenna is picking up. And so you're, learning how to sense the, the field of, of your organization. So we teach how to how to shift from the head to the heart is, is a simple way of explaining that. And, and and using that awareness, that information, and it is just information, it's energy flow, all the things we talked about, about being able to sense what's going on around you and with other people. So that's one of the skills. The second skill is the ability to really be authentically a storytelling. What moves people are, are stories. I mean, what did we do all day long. We 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 shared stories back and forth about this thing and that thing, and and, and it's stories that that really set the tone and carry the energy hmm. uh, of, of what the organization's about and what I'm about. Um, and and that's how people communicate to other people. A new person walks in, and all of a sudden they'll start telling stories about right. Joe and Bill right. and right. It's so so being able to create the stories about who we are and the rituals that support who we want who we are and who we want to be is the second skill um, the third skill we teach is what we call improvisation mindset listen if if the if the pandemic taught us one thing uh it's the world is not predictable right right so and, and, and this is a major event it, but it happens every day in in small ways the work we expect to happen doesn't happen how do we respond to that quickly fortunately for us there's a body of knowledge and trainings that have been done for thousands of years teaching people teaching performers mostly whether it's theater or comedy or music or dance how to how to improvise and and so that's a that's another the skill that can be learned, um, and the final one we teach is how do what we call integrating opposites. In, in some challenges we have, there is no clear black and white answer. It, it's sort of a little bit of both, and how do you understand the balance between the opposite? Uh, there, there's a, the way I like to say it is: wholeness is a coin, the whole coin, but every coin is made up of the heads and the tail, and you got to bring the opposites together to make the whole coin. Right. So, wisdom and insight comes from integrating opposites. So those are the four basic skills that that I believe that is critical to make the shift. And it's a lot of what we teach. Yeah,
0: no, those are definitely game changers for a lot of folks. I I think just just listening to what you're going through, I I think the people that are going to hear some of this and struggle the most are the people that are what I would call all business. When you're at work, you're all business. But I think here's the thing, and this is with every organization I've ever seen, it happens with customers, it doesn't matter. The people that are going to struggle the most with this also have the most potential with it. And yes. where, you know, somebody that's been all business and has been happy with their results, if they were open-minded about, you know, using some of these techniques and strategies, I think they'll be blown away with the new level of results. It's just, it's, it's really is changing the game for them. And it's, uh, you know, it being something that is going from the head to the heart is not a natural state for people that are all business. No, so it, it is a, it's a little bit scary or it's outside the box or whatever you want to call it um and so there's a learning curve to it but i think those people are the ones that stand to gain the most out of it you know productivity wise I, th- I think the other people who already do want to lead by the heart but don't necessarily have those tools are going to really just be very excited about learning this type of strategy Absolutely. and applying it in their business and they'll they'll see growth as well so i, I really appreciate everything you you covered here with us today do you, do you have any final thoughts or maybe a, a final like one tip that you want to give
1: you know i, I think the, the the thing i'd like to end on is uh, sort of a note of compassion just as As you were pointing out, I used to teach skiing and and I think the metaphor I want to share and um, the compassion I want to share is learning these new skills, especially for those, like you said, that are hardcore, is like learning to put your weight downhill. When you're skiing, you have to learn how to shift your weight downhill or throw your weight downhill. You're putting your weight on the tips of the skis because that's the skis are designed to be guided by the, the tips of the skis. And the thing about that is it's counter instinctual. So mm-hmm. like you said, everything think in the body is going to say wait a minute that's not how I get results shifting right. from head to heart is counterinstinctual it feels awkward it feels like right, un- right. it feels uncomfortable it even feels unsafe right and- so uh, I just want those out there to know that you're correct, Michael, when you said it will give you a quantum leap into amazing results. And the the, the people who have been successful are doing this, and this is the, this is how they're being so successful. So take the risk and, and know that there are people like us out there to help you yeah. start off on the beginning hill, on the bunny slope. We're not going to take you on the <laughs> triple diamond and have you learn how to do this, right? You got to start you, somewhere. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. So my parting my advice is understand it's going to be difficult accept that take the step anyway and find people like us who will take you on yeah. the bunny slope and walk you through it yeah
0: you know and,
1: and understand
0: you're investing not only in yourself but you're investing in your most precious asset in your organization those people I and mean, without the people you, you can't grow you can't serve your customer you can't do anything but the people really are the heart and soul of, of any company and you're in, you're making an investment in them to get better as a leader to understand things like this to grow the organization and so I, I really appreciate everything we've talked about today I, I could talk for hours about this this is these are the kind of things that uh, you know the psychology of it and what goes behind it and how people think and move and work and do things it's it's just fascinating to me so I appreciate everything you talked about so thank you so well, much for coming on today
1: you're so welcome and thank you for having me and it's been a pleasure and I really love this conversational style you have
0: Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.